Sin Radio Network. Make sure you find the Rap the Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wayne Lou, joined once again by producer and co-host Alex Wong. And we have on the line Sportsnet's very own Michael Grange. What's going on? This is a, this is the front desk calling, uh, Mr. Grange. <laughs> How you doing, man? You're, uh, I'm good. Your room I'm good. I'm glad we got a decent connection. So, eleventh floor. Grange is on the eleventh <laughs> yeah, floor. Why are you doxing my man, Grange? Come on, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? How you doing, Grange? How's, I'm under uh... an assumed name, so no one can find me. Don't oh, worry. Okay. Nice, nice. Um, yeah. How's how's Salt Lake City? What's what's your what's your go to in Salt Lake? <laughs> I don't have one. Um, I like Salt Lake. It, like it's pretty, right? Like you can see the mountains and the snow okay. on the mountains. So that's very nice. You can see that and, when the plane's uh, just coming down, man. You still got to see it after. Yeah. Say that again, sir. You can just see it from the plane when you're landing, arriving in. Yeah, yeah but you, you know, you're walking over to the arena. The, you know, the mountains are in the background, so mm. it's nice. It's really, it's very cold here, though. It's quite cold. I'm a little disappointed to go from Phoenix, which was not exactly hot, but uh, you know, kind of sweatshirt weather. Mm. To this is legit like Toronto cold here, so that's a little bit of a downer. Uh, Grange, not not to scare you, but uh, Friday in Toronto, it's going to be minus 14. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. Grange is used to that. Aren't, no, aren't, aren't, aren't you going to be adjust. Houston that night? So I guess uh, I think he's coming back. Aren't you coming back, Grange? After you Utah? know, what? I'm I'm literally uh, like going to be making up my mind in the next hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. Oh. so the, the the weekend games are on TSN. Um, but oh, the other network. Yeah, we don't yeah, say your name on it. the show. Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, it's okay. But the, okay. Um, but the you know the other side of it is if you know there is going to be a, a made a move made in the next few days. Mm. It'd be uh, might be worth uh, being around. So, so just gonna flip a coin on that one and see. All right. Well, Grange, you teed yourself up essentially because you have written uh, a trade deadline primer. It's up on uh, obviously Sportsnet.ca along with all of your work and yeah, a lot of a lot of great stuff to sort of touch on. I, I think first off, um, just even describing the atmosphere of sort of the the recent games here, where obviously there's been. Uh, a lot of various league executives attending, scouting, obviously the Raptors scouting their opponents as well. And you're also literally seeing shots of like Masai walking into a tunnel um, with, with uh, they could just know. be grabbing the media meal, but yeah, <laughs> that's know. all I'm saying, man. They weren't okay. grabbing the media meal. That's what I'm I saying. I that. I test. All right. Well, the, the media meal in, in Phoenix was not worth grabbing. I can't oh, wow. you. They, they, they Ooh. ate off the, they ate, they ate whatever the team was eating. I mean, Toronto, was some, Toronto sometimes, too. But, yeah, go ahead, Grange. Was, uh, yeah, so as kind of Will was alluding to, you know, that scene, and you see it in Toronto, too, you know, that scene <clears throat> before a game, there's, there's always a lot of, you know, a handful of guys from other teams around or, or you know, the opposing GM might be in town. And so there's there's that kind of stuff happens, but it, it's the intensity of it in that kind of hour, hour and a half before game time it's just really been noticeable on this trip and um you know and, and you kind of look at where the raptors have gone on this trip you know sacramento golden state uh portland and phoenix the other night now utah and you know on the, all four of those stops so far <laughs> you could see, you know you could run the trade machine and go yeah there's there's some interesting moves that could be made between these two teams and it's pretty obvious seeing you know bobby and Masai interacting with uh, their counterparts. There's good relationships with with all those organizations. I'm not suggesting you know any anything's brewing because of that, but but in in Phoenix, you know that clip 
with uh, Masai and James Jones walking off. Like I was talking with Masai, um, you know, kind of at that moment, and and James Jones emerged, and you know, they just they just went poof, <laughs> they were gone. So uh, you know, I don't know if, if they were making dinner plans or not, but um, definitely an energy around this team that's a little different because of obviously the time of the year, also also the way the team has gone. And, you know, I, I can't really recall a deadline where the Raptors have been the headline team, you know, um, you know, apart from, you know, it's usually, you know, it's Lakers next on the acquiring side, but in terms of a team that people seem to really be zeroing in on uh, the Raptors seem to be it. So uh, it's definitely been, been a vibe as the kids say. Yeah, well, I'm I'm also curious in terms of you know how the players are sort of handling that, how they're internalizing it, because I think for them, you clearly see that they've been playing hard on this road trip. I mean, maybe the Warriors game was just kind of like they couldn't defensively get organized, but I think there's been clear effort in a lot of these games. Unfortunately, they're two and two on this road trip. They've really had to you know do better. Maybe they'll have more chances here to to potentially win out. Does that even necessarily matter or or really inform the front office in this direction? Because I think for a lot of fans who are thinking about the, the trade deadline and sort of the players that may or may not go, I think there's a there's a, a real sense of attachment to all the guys here, even though it clearly hasn't really worked. But we've seen a lot of good things from a lot of good players. Um, so, yeah, I guess my question is really just like, how are the players handling all this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably varies, right? And, uh, you know, I've asked kind of each of the kind of principal guys that question. And, you know, of course they're going to say, as you would expect, like the, you know, we don't focus on it too much and, uh, you know, we're used to it. It happens and, and all of that. And I think, um, you know, so nobody's claiming that, uh, it's really messing with them or anything like that, but it, but it is an interesting environment. And because, you know, it's, it's, I, I do think that the energy around the team has kind of changed in the past uh, few weeks or a little, maybe even a little bit more, uh, both on and off the floor, and you know, I think that's corresponded with you know a slightly better on-court product. Like it's not like they've been tearing it up, but they you know they've they've kind of stopped the bleeding, so to speak. And um, you know, and I think that's I'm not sure if that's helped or com- or clouded <laughs> the decision-making picture. Um, I would say this. I mean, I think had this team kept. Um, playing, getting the results they were getting, but also the way they were playing. I think there was a selfishness that was creeping into the into the game, and there was you know a kind of a chemistry issue that was um, you know that was kind of manifesting itself a little bit. I think if that had gone on, you know, at that point the decision gets really easy. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're not gonna you know, try and pull on the same rope here, then we'll just turn the page. Um, the fact that I think that's cleaned up a little bit, and, and I think you've got better performances from more players. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I don't know how much difference that does make or should make. Um, you know, the goal here isn't to win, you know, isn't to finish 11th or 12th or 9th. It's, it's you know, Masai Jiri, you know, that's his mantra, right, is to win and win big. And, you know, when we've talked about this before, like they're pretty healthy. They are, I think, playing a little better, but it seems to kind of level them in around 500. Um, and I don't know if that's worth keeping your team together and going into a luxury tax for. Yeah, that, you know, that's interesting. And, and that's definitely fair. I mean, it makes a lot of sense why the Raptors would be, you know, 
at the eye of the storm here and, and everyone's sort of linking themselves to the Raptors and some of the players they have available. It is interesting thinking about the idea of, you know, maybe the Raptors haven't necessarily had the chemistry that you, you consider um, that you maybe even have taken for granted in recent years. The Raptors have really been a very cohesive group. I mean, it's not to say that there's never any issues, but for the most part, the Raptors compared to most NBA teams had been smooth sailing for like a decade now. Um, and I guess, when you're watching the product, you can kind of see it, but you never really fully know until you really are talking to the players or talking to the coaches or talking to the execs. And yeah, I'm, I guess Grange, I'm just curious, like how do they even get past that? Like, was there a sort of like a moment where they sort of got together and were like, okay, look, listen, obviously we're not performing well this season, but can we play together and play more cohesively? Is Was there a big moment for that? Or is it just sort of like guys sort of, I don't know, realize that everyone's playing terrible and we're going to get, we're all going to get traded if we don't. Um, I think there's, you know, I'm kind of trying to poke away at that, but um, a couple of things come to mind. I mean, I think there was a stretch probably three weeks, a month ago, and, and you know, Nick Nurse came out, and, and I think he was publicly pretty hard on on his group and, you know, kind of made public the fact he was he was hard on them behind the scenes as well, and and I know that was done with the explicit support of Messiah Jiri. Like that was um, something that people, you know, that people were on the same page with. Um, I think that's that's probably one factor. I think another factor is when your general manager goes to Paris to go see the number one pick. Mm. Um, you know, you better pay attention, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, if you're uh, if 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 you're not if you don't read something a little bit into that, then you probably don't have your ear close enough to the ground of of your job. Um, and I think, you know, also like when the team is struggling and, and things are kind of, uh, going a little unevenly, um, and all of a sudden your, your team and your name is, is, is kind of part of the whole trade fodder discussion. Um, uh, maybe you kind of pause and wonder if that's something really you, what you want, you know, and, uh, um, you know, Fred Van Vliet, like, I don't think he wants to get traded. I know Pascal Siakam doesn't want to get traded. I'm pretty sure OG Ananobi, if he had his druthers, would probably want to stay in Toronto. Um, you know, and I think Gary Trent Jr. has found a really good place to play professional basketball here. Um, and so, you know, so I think maybe there is a little bit to that. We're like, okay, well, maybe we better. I think when I talked to Fred when we were in Minnesota, you know, he said, well, you know, the better we play, the less likely someone gets shipped out of here. And uh, maybe it's as simple as that. Yeah, Grange, you know, you mentioned talking to all the guys about this. And, you know, obviously one of the guys you talked to was OG. Um, you know, you had a riveting Q&A with him <laughs> that I'm still working my way through. I know it was a long read. Um, you know, what, what was that? What was that? Um, you know, I think people are always interested just about interactions with OG because they seem so... Uh, you know, rare, you know, what was that? Like, what did you take away? You know, because like, obviously we're reading, you know, his responses. And I think he had a comment on the broadcast too the other day that his some of his comments were being taken out of context. Um, what, what was your read on just like your interaction with him on, on all these things? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, OG is, is kind of what you see is what you get. Like, he's not like all that differently, um, you know, one-on-one as he is, you know, we've seen him in some of the scrums that are pretty fun and amusing. And, and, you know, I just felt like he was being talked about so much, like, you know, you, you, you got to kind of bring the subject up with him. And, you know, the problem with OG is, 
you know, your questions end up probably, you know, the ratio is about uh, t- 10 to 1 in terms of who's doing the speaking. And it's, it's uh, you know, he's he's good at that, right? Like he just kind of ends up, you end up rambling and he's he, his answer is usually pretty short. And, and um, you know, he did mention something. We haven't had a chance to kind of really go over it, but he, I think he was, you know, maybe he felt it was taken out of context. I mean, I quoted him directly so i mean i don't know what else i can do but um you know i think i just think that maybe the people reading into his comments and ambiguity about you know what he felt while playing here which i don't think is the case i mean i think he mm. i think if his choice was i think he'd play here in toronto i think um at the same time I don't think it's a secret that he would and probably is justified in wanting a bigger role. I mean, this was part of the preseason discussion. You know, Nick Nurse would talk about him meeting with, with OG and talking about, you know, things he could do to kind of enhance his role in the offense and et cetera. So, um, you know, and all this is in the context of, I think, in, you know, people got to understand in the NBA, right? Like, like you have only so many cracks to really nail a contract mm. and the, uh, you know, and the difference between being a guy who's kind of a really, really good role player and kind of on the cusp of all NBA discuss or all NBA defense discussions, which is where OG is and being a kind of a high usage scorer who also defends, and is kind of borderline all-star, maybe an all-star. Like, you know, the differences are real. You know, we're talking 10s, 20s, 30s, $50 million. And, um, you know, and I think when that is put into context a little bit, you know, I don't think it's it's guys, and I'm not talking about OG in this in this example, or it's not like guys are stamping their feet or, or you know, kind of miserable. It's, you know, it's where and how and what can you do to kind of maximize your opportunity while you're in the league. And, um, you know, so a long way of saying, I mean, it was, you know, OG and I are fine. And, and you know, he's he's a really, you know, I hope it does come across. Like, I mean, he's a really sweet, polite, nice person. Mm. Um, you know, he just doesn't speak in extended paragraphs. That's fair. I would love to hear an OG podcast, actually. That's actually maybe maybe during his career, maybe post-career, I would love an OG podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, in the sense of the OG thing, because uh, obviously Shams brought it out yesterday that the Suns are, you know, interested. And, um, you know, I'm sure tons of other teams in the league are interested as well. And maybe that just coincides with the timing in terms of obviously Toronto was in, was in Phoenix for all these discussions. What, what do you make of that link potentially with, with Phoenix and, and, and OG? I mean, there's something to it. I think all these teams that um, want to win, you know, would have to look seriously at, at OG, you know, for all the reasons we know very, very well. And that's always been the thing with with OG is he, it, you know, you could do the exercise. I've kind of done it in my mind. He would start, I think, on every team in the league. Right. Like, I mean, and I'm talking like you, yeah. you take your top 10. I think he would start on Boston. Right. I yeah. think he would start on New Orleans. I think he would start on Memphis. I think he would start on Denver. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, you know, so that's there's your top three or four teams right there. Probably um, he would start on the Bucks. He would start on the on the Sixers. Right. So so there's not many players that really fall into that category. And and I think that's why, you know, if you're a team that wants to win um, and thinks they can win 
and there's a chance you can get a player like that, you have to be very serious about it. And, um, you know, I think in that sense, that's why the Raptors are in a really good position. I think, you know, they've got an opportunity to kind of, um, if they want to make that decision, uh, you know, it should they should be able to, to help their, pro, their whole program going forward. But, you know, it's not a decision you can make lightly because, you know, the, the minute you trade OG Ananobi, you're hoping to get another one. I mean, I think um, I can say, you know, the fact that Presta Situa has, you know, we, we also saw how well he played after the All-Star break last year, but there was, there was a little lightning in the bottle with that, with his three-point shooting and stuff. Like, it was like, huh, this is interesting. But <clears throat> the way he's played the last three weeks or two weeks, um, you know, it seems very sustainable. It looks like a different player. Um, and, and I think that the fact that he's shown that there's some, there's a real platform to his game might give the Raptors a little more, I don't know, not, not confidence, but they might feel a little bit better that they could make a trade involving OG Ananobi and Anobi and not have, you know, a big crater in their lineup that they'd never be able to fill. Yeah, that's interesting too because I think with Precious, the, the question there is like, okay, you you could you could definitely see a path where if one of the starters were moved, that he would move into the starting lineup. Um, but the question is sort of like, is he going to develop? I think in the future as a wing or more as a big. Um, I think there's probably more potential for him to continue developing as a wing. And if the Raptors want to get a true big in the center, I think Precious can actually play alongside him. Although it would be a, a bit of a change in role for Precious, but you know, to, to that idea, I, I, I noticed that one little tidbit in your story. You, you, you said that Aiden, DeAndre Aiden, has some fans in the Raptors organization. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's interesting. That's an idea. Yeah, I mean, well, why wouldn't there be right? Like, I mean, he's you know, when I don't you know. It seems person. like people are kind of split on Aiden. You know, I think. He's definitely been a productive player. He's been part of winning. Obviously, you know, he was very good for the Suns when they made their their, their push to the finals. But I think there's always this sort of like, okay, maybe he doesn't play as hard or maybe he doesn't dominate the way a number one pick should or, you know, the typical stuff that you hear with bigs also. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is that uh, they they passed up on Luca for him, which, I mean, like, he's got to eat that L at some point. Yeah, no, there's there's a few teams that are – at least, at least they didn't draft uh, Bagley, right? So, yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, the, the, but no, I, th- I think you know, is he a, uh, is he perfect? No, uh, and and there's a re- you know, but I think um, if you're someone who evaluates talent, um, you know, the guy is, you know, he's 24, he runs as well as any big in the league. His mid-range touch is as good as any big in the league. Um, he's consistent and I think, you know, an interesting way to look at that is, is, you know, a lot of times when you're talking about getting a big, it's like, well, you get a big who can kind of guard the rim and, and set some screens for you. Let's just say Jakob Pertl is, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty good player. No, but... Grant, this is the one time we're not going to talk Jakob Pertl when we call okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. But, but I mean, you, you know, can you play a guy who can't shoot, can't space, and right. can't um, make free throws? So, you know, in the fourth quarter of playoff games, well, probably not. So, and and then you look at, you know, as much as the game's becoming smaller and, and a lot of bigs can't stay on the floor, you know, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic are, seem to be finding their way to be pretty successful. And, and not to say DeAndre Ayton's in that category, mm-hmm. but he is 24. And I think that's that's sort of, 
um, why you kind of look at if there is an opportunity to, to acquire a player like that. I don't know if there is. Um, but if there was, you'd have to take it seriously because, um, you know, you'd have to believe that you can develop his game and develop with him. And all of a sudden you've got a, a, a player on your roster that very few teams in the NBA can, can match. Yeah. I think the, 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 the trouble maybe with Aiden is just that the money is obviously going to be big, right? He's averaging, I think, $33 million per year for the next three years. And if you add, uh, you know, eight into the lineup, for example, for next year, and you take out OG salary, and, and of course you probably have to add other pieces to to make the money work, but it would put the Raptors quite close to, um, you know, the the luxury tax, especially considering that they also have some other pending free agents. And that's where your note on Gary Trent Jr. Um, I mean, it, it I th- I think we're in the Raptors fan base, like we're all watching Gary, and we're like, wow, what a great player. Right now, the Raptors have so little shooting. Gary's able to provide you that timely scoring. He's obviously – he's even improved at the rim this season, which I feel like has been pretty significant um, for his overall game because you don't want to be just a shooter. He's, he's obviously got a bit of a mid-range game as well. Um, but I, I think when you hear the numbers and you're like, well, you know, you reported that he, it would be in the 20 million range rather than something like, a, you know, uh, Tyler Hero or Jordan Poole or north of 30 million, that seems fairly reasonable. Like, let's, let's sign that deal now, right? Yeah, and I think the context there is is as a free agent, right? Okay. Um, you know, so I think that's the real distinction there is. And when I was talking to the person I was talking with was from uh, from another team, and you know, that's where that's the point they made, right? Is 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 <clears throat> and talking to some other agents and stuff like that. You know, the real way to get paid, and this is relates to Fred and relates to Gary, is you stay on your own team. They're the ones who are, have the means to pay the most. <clears throat> um, in theory, you know, if you leave, then they're the ones who can't backfill. Like, you know, they really are almost obligated to pay you because if they don't pay you, then there's no way for them to recoup um, the player. Um, but if if and so I think as it relates to Gary, you know, this idea that he's going to be a free agent and all of a sudden he's going to get four years, one twenty. Um, I'm not saying it can happen, but it just seems a little bit unlikely based on the landscape. Mm. And, you know, and so all of a sudden would he, you know, all of a sudden if the Raptors could do it at, you know, an an extension, then it's, you know, maybe 20, just north of 20, maybe four years, 100, uh, four years, high 90, something like that. Well, you know, yeah, I, I mean, that seems like a reasonable contract for what he contributes especially in a rising cap. So I think that's the context. And, and I think broader context, he, 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 you know, one thing that Bobby and Masai have done really, really well is with their own free agents is um, kind of gauge the market. Um, guys go to the market. They hope, maybe think they might be able to get X, Y, or Z. And in the end, you know, they come back and they sign a really good deal in Toronto, and it's good for both parties. And that was repeated multiple times with Kyle Lowry. It was repeated with Serge Ibaka. It was repeated with uh, Fred Van Vliet. And, you know, I'm not saying that's exactly how it's going to play out with Gary Trent or Fred, but, you know, I think that they have a track record and maybe a certain confidence that that they can, um, you know, kind of maneuver that. Yeah, Grange, you know, aside from the players, too, I know there's some reporting this week just about Nick Nurse, and obviously his contract is up after next season, and Shams had the reporting that 
there were some, you know, players that have at times been frustrated, you know, with, with Nick this season. Any of that, any of that surprise you? Um, well, the contract stuff I had back in January, mm. so that wasn't surprising. Mm. Uh, that's a flex. Damn. Damn. No, I tell him Grange. You know what? I saw Grange tweet that right after too. Right after uh, Shams came up with uh, the reporting. Sometimes you just sometimes you just gotta right. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course, of course. Put some respect yeah, yeah. on Grange. Shop at home, folks. Shop at home. Nice. But um, but as as far as as far as Nick and some tension with guys on the team. I mean, uh, certainly you've had. I've I've never I've, I haven't had anywhere I could report that. Mm. In reading that, I go, yeah, it makes sense. And. Um, you know, I don't think it's, you know, the context is always important, right? And and Shams taken a, has taken a run at Nick a couple of times, so who knows what's going on there. But, mm-hmm. um, the uh, you know, I think on a team that's losing, that's below expectation, with a group that's been together a long time, um, you know, what, what, four years, right? That's an age, that's an age in the NBA. Um, you know, the idea that there wouldn't be some kind of, tension back and forth it's, it's probably naive right so so yeah I'm, I'm i'm sure if sham's got that it was pretty sound and uh you know but i don't know if it makes it if it really reflects on his future i think um you know the bigger question is going to be um what direction the team goes and i think if if there is a, a pivot to a rebuild then you know maybe nick you know, he, you know, is that, is that where he wants to, you know, devote, you know, the next chunk of his career? Um, I'm not saying he, he wouldn't, but I'm sure it would be a consideration. I think, um, you know, anytime a coach is going into the last year of his contract and a coach, I think is pretty marketable, right? Like, I don't think Nick would, this is going to be last next last NBA contract, whether it's in Toronto or anywhere else. Um, you know, I think, I wouldn't say he necessarily has some leverage, but I think it's a natural point where where both the player and the, the team and the coach kind of discuss what's next. Um, so I think that's it's a situation to monitor, I guess is the way I would put it. But I don't know if it's kind of like front burner. Yeah, it is interesting because I, I believe um, whether it was uh, during media day or maybe even before that, there was that notable quote where, uh, I don't know, Nick's name got floated with uh, the Lakers job, which was open at that time. And I think Masai's exact quote was, you know, they dream like I dream. You know, it was very much like, a, yeah, just, yeah, you know. That was a good one, I remember. That, that. was a good one, yeah, right? Yeah. So it was very much like we support Nick and he's going nowhere. So I, yeah. I would be fairly surprised. I, um, I should say that the last time I kind of had a conversation around this topic, mm. like there was no... You know, I never, I didn't get any vibe, any sense that, you know, part of whatever plan is coming is to is to change coaches. Not saying it's going to, you know, things have change all the time. Sure. Yeah. But like, I, I certainly haven't picked up any like, you know, mix the problem. Um, I think, you know, there's been an honest understanding that, you know, the roster is a bit of the problem. I think chemistry has been a bit of the problem, and you know, it has this been Nick's finest year coaching, you know, I don't think anyone would necessarily sign off on that. Mm-hmm. Not to say it's been, you know, he's, he's been, you know, I don't, I, I don't say that to throw anyone, you know, under the bus, just that I think, you know, if you're people would evaluate honestly and say, it just has been one of those years where nothing has gone quite right, which also makes this whole kind of week kind of difficult because mm-hmm you're evaluating, um, trying to make big, big decisions 
and nobody wants to do that when your season's kind of in some ways been a series of worst case scenarios. So it's, uh, I'm looking forward to February 10th, put it that way. Yeah. No, it'd be good to know like who's, you know, here and, and, and what the, the direction of the team specifically is. I, I think it'll just give clarity to both us and also in particular to people watching. Cause I think there, there need, there needs to be like an expectation sort of calibration. Um, just because right now it just seems like people are still expecting them to win and obviously they're not doing that enough and it just kind of leads to this endlessly. Um, you know, Grinch, uh, last question from me before I pass it off to Alex is just, um, yeah, did you, were, were you a little surprised when that Nick was surprised that OG was ruled out for the road trip? Mm. You know what I'm talking about pregame? Um, what was that? I guess I'm, a, I'm always a little surprised when a coach, you know, kind of leaves something ambiguous like that hanging mm. out there. Right. Uh, just because for all parties, who really benefits, right? Um, you know, the the safest thing is always just to be as boring as possible. Yes, of course. Um, you could just say like, hey, listen, you know, that's that's the we we gave him some more tests, and that's we're gonna, you know. Yeah, like it, it, he didn't have to say it. Um, I think he knew what he was saying, why he was saying. I think it goes back a little bit to last season. I, I you know, I think uh, OG had that. I believe it was his left thumb or finger. Um, you know, he had, he had and it, it really took him out for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that there's a, a message maybe, or maybe a little bit of a frustration coming through um, where, you know, the player OG in this case is maybe, let's just say maybe a little more careful about mm-hmm. when and, and how he approaches his, his return to play. Um, again, I, you know, people can read into what I want, what they want. Like, I mean, the, Nick said it, it raised eyebrows. We're talking about it. So, you know, it's, uh, he has to wear it. I don't think it's a place for me or you to kind of, um, you know, question a player's health or ability to play. But, you know, when the head coach throws it out there, you know, it's, it's definitely catches people's attention. Yeah. Um, last one for you, Grange, you know, I think last week when you were on, you guys were were you asking Grange about his uh, how much he packs on yeah. the road trip? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I Grange's think answer was one, one single carry on, right? which yeah. is and I think that's the right move, especially with the way the airports are now. Like you don't want to check no bags or anything. No. So I, how's, yeah, the, one, how's the how's the luggage holding up? It's how's been ten days, good. man. It's going good. It was a yeah. little stressful uh, because when I was my plan was to do some laundry in San Francisco. Uh, downtown San Francisco, unfortunately, is not a place you would want to want to be uh, running around to laundromats. In fact, they were closed, mm. so that was a that wasn't ideal. But I arrived in uh, Portland, and uh, the hotel there had a laundry, so did uh, you did one round there, there did another go. one just before I left in Phoenix, and uh, so far uh, so good. The odors are good. The workout gear is <laughs> fine. Oh man. So yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I had a little a little disaster because I've only got like one kind of piece of kind of warm. I got this big bulky green sweatshirt mm. that's kind of like my warm thing, and uh, I did get some pizza pizza stain on it the other day, so that was that was a bit of a panic. Oh but. man, was that the media meal in Phoenix or? No, oh. I was at a, a, a pretty good pizza spot in in uh, sort of the uh, Italian area in San Francisco. So nice. Right. It was worth it, but uh, yeah. Cool. But otherwise, yeah, no, I think I'm gonna pull it off. All right, Grinch. We uh we look forward to to seeing you back at the arena. I guess next next week. Yeah, you know, I'll be there. We'll see which players are back with you, and uh, yeah. you know, um, I'll be. Uh, 
I'll be texting you. Um, I'll be texting you almost every day until February 9th. Yeah, Grinch. I'm sure you're a bit, you're a very very busy man. So I appreciate your time. No, no, it's it's good to good to be on with you guys. Thank you. All right. Okay, we're gonna take a break. Mostly because Grange talked about the odor, and we're like, you know what? We just got a reset here. So I'm your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. And you've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge breaking down the top stories in hockey and elliot friedman every day the jeff merrick show subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts welcome back to the raptor show on the sportsnet radio network I'm your host, Wim Liu. Continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. Big thanks to Grange for um, coming on the first half of the program. Second half, Alex is going to run point as he always does. Um, so, yeah, what's what's going on, Alex? What's on your mind? Yeah, shouts to Grange, by the way, honestly. Yeah, from from the eleventh floor. Um, I, I loved I loved him flexing on Shams. That was that was nice. No, because you know what? Because we read it on Monday, and and Shams was said in the article that that was like information that people didn't know right yeah here's the thing i, I don't know if grange does this i, I in mm. fact i doubt it but i'm very much online i see everything yeah, okay, yeah. i see i definitely see the, everything on twitter i see everything mm-hmm. on raptors reddit i see everything on raptors real gm yeah okay youtube uh, youtube comments. less so to be honest that's just, oh, okay. that's just too much to go into okay um so i see the comments on grange i just want everyone to know grange sits courtside talking to bobby Masai like every day yo he literally said in the first segment he was talking to Masai when james jones pulled up yeah like, and then they disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's you know we talk about made man, but that that's that's really a made man. No, Grange puts yeah. in work, man. I think yeah. I think everybody knows this. Um, actually, the only thing actually thing I wanted to follow up on because I didn't want to take this um, away from what Grange was reporting in the first half was yeah, just up? like for me, the, the question of like for example with the Gary thing when mm-hmm. you when you look at the decision to either re-sign a player or move them, mm. I think the key for me is is the player going to net you a bigger return on their new deal than they would at this current moment. You know what I mean? Yes. So, for example, right now, OJ Anobi is making $17, $18 million. He's got another year on his uh, contract mm-hmm. on that same number. Um, there's tons of teams interested in him. Would you be able to get more for OG right now versus when you re-sign OG for what is going to be like $35 million on his next contract, or at least 30 mm-hmm. okay? And is, are you going to be able to move him for more at that time? Same thing for Gary right now. And that's where when Grange reported in his piece – that Gary is going to get you a protected first right now or, like, maybe two seconds. That's not very appealing. That's not a lot as compared to if you re-sign him to a longer-term deal with some more term. I think you can get more out of that on top of the fact that you actually get the player and the production. That's why the Raptors have really operated in this way. Even when they, for example, re-signed Terrence Ross back in the day for that deal, Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I don't know if T. Ross, like, really, really is going to be a long-term piece. However, it would have made more sense to re-sign Terrence back in the day to that three, four-year deal that he that he got and ultimately flipped that into Serge Ibaka 
versus flipping him before they signed that contract, which wouldn't have been much. Probably what, again, probably the same kind of deal. Maybe a protective first, two seconds kind of thing. They mm-hmm. did the same thing with JV as well. Obviously, they moved him in, up into Marcus All. And, of course, that was a different time because that was more of a championship mm-hmm. mentality. But that's the question you got to ask yourself. Is the next contract that the player is going to sign going to net you a bigger return versus what you can do right now? Yeah, essentially what you're saying is you have to look at this from an asset management standpoint as well. Sure. Like, yeah, are you trading yeah, these players... And I know people like sometimes don't want to hear like players being discussed in this way, but like that's kind of just the framework finances of the league. And it's like, I mean, I think at the start of the season, you know, if I told you that, you know, Gary was going to be, you know, uh, open to uh, a deal in the 20 million range, that's a whole different discussion than the whole conversation that we had about him probably being, you know, leaving after this season. And I think it's a really good point. You could even go back to, and I know a lot of other GMs do this, but, you know, when Masai was in Denver, Mm -hmm. he did this with some of his players too. I remember he signed JaVale McGee to a a huge deal, and I think he was dealt shortly after as well. Like one year into the deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, there's obviously been examples of that. I think he did it with Nene as well. Oh, damn. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the, the other thing that we didn't get to ask Grange and, I guess I could just ask you too, is like with OG, like so much talk about like wanting that bigger role, right? The, yeah. the high usage and stuff. But then when I look at the thing I can't make sense of is, okay, sure. Maybe he does, you know, want to go somewhere else where, you know, he can have this bigger role or whatever. But I look at all the teams right now that, that you know, you, that would make sense for him, like Memphis, like Phoenix. You know, I think Grange mentioned Denver as a potential yeah. dark horse. Dark horse. Indiana you, is my personal dark horse. Oh, yeah. This one. But you go to those teams, like, you're going to slot in as a secondary guy on offense. Yeah, no, we're talking about uh, most of those cases, playoff teams right. who are looking for him to bring a 3 and D style of skill set. And that's not to say that he will only 3 and D, but, like, 90% of that role will be yeah. that. So that's, I think, that's the thing I'm trying to sort out is, like, okay, yeah. if, if he does... You know, if he it is coming from his side that he does want to move on and go to a new situation, it's yeah. not like these situations is going to give him this bigger role. Yeah, but you never know. I mean, I think the more involved you are with winning, the bigger your contract gets regardless. No, like, you could fair. do the same thing, but for a more winning organization, you'll make more money. I think that point is fair. But I'm just yeah. saying it's I don't see his role changing that much on any of these new teams. Okay, again, I don't want to – I definitely don't want to rehash this that much because I really, really like OG. Mm-hmm. But it's like all the individual, like, shot creation metrics, it's, it's, it's really poor. Whether that's, like, his points per play in isolation is, like, one of the worst in the league for mm-hmm. many years running now. Um, it, his his like running pick and roll, which is very rare for him. It's not a very high number. He doesn't set guys up that much either. He has more turnovers and assists. Mm-hmm. This is the second time in his career he's had that now mm-hmm. in a season, and usually it's closer to a one-on-one ratio. Um, so there are things, and of course, like I think for a stretch there, and I was tracking this early in the season, I felt like, I don't know, I kind of felt bad tracking at the start of the season, but I was like, hey, um, this is a bit of a problem that OG turns it over one in every six drives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that so, was a big problem at the start of the season. I think it was sure. very noticeable. But I mean, my, We've my, seen it, my though, point yeah. is that, like, for contenders who are looking to add that piece, yep. they are not looking to add a 0.60 points per possession play on ISOs. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking to add the fact that he's a very, very good knockdown three point shooter yep. in the corners, less so at the top of the floor, but he can definitely knock those down too. And mm-hmm. the fact that he might just genuinely be the most versatile defender in the NBA. No, I have no doubt. That's why yeah. prospective GMs. You got to pay three first-round picks or more. That's yeah. all. And they can't be all protected, top 16 and all that stuff, yeah. like like the Knicks are saying. Yeah, I'm just, like, trust me, like, putting him on Denver, like, just picturing him with, like, Aaron Gordon defending on the perimeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in Memphis, you know, think about putting or him on Phoenix, that front court. Right? Phoenix, I mean, again, yeah, with Bridges as well. him and Bridges together, yeah. man, that'd be tough. Yeah, but, yeah, so. no, it's just interesting to me. And it's, 
it's funny to me, and I get it's like just human nature. These guys like at this age wanting that bigger role, mm-hmm. but you look at the demand that's out there for OG already. The fact that he's just this elite three and D guy, he's gonna get that money. That's the other thing for me. Yeah, yeah. But I don't and he's know. not like three and D like way like. And, and no disrespect to Danny Green, right? But this mm-hmm. is not like we're asking him to be Danny Green, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He, he's more involved than that. Yeah, you know. But I listen. I get it. Anyways, yeah. also, it's hard to take any comments out of context when you say you know. 15 words. Well, I mean, when, when you're asked flat out, right, like, hey, you know. Is, is so any- here's what he said. If there's anything to the rumors, Granger asked if there's anything to rumors that you want out of Toronto, and he said, quote, no, it is what it is. Yeah. What, what, there's no context there. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways. Fair enough. Ah, what else? Um, a friend of the program, uh, Mo, Mo DeKeel, did message yesterday. Right. Because um, at the start of the season, I'm sure you remember, listeners might remember, he did suggest that the Raptors would explore, could explore trading OG and an OB. Mm-hmm. So he just wants an on-air apology if that happens. Because apparently that Raptors happens. fans were giving him a really I mean, it feels like they're exploring, aren't they? They're taking phone calls. <laughs> yeah, so he's yeah. already um, so he's already right about right. that. Well, I mean, yeah, well, you know, it is what it is on that one. <laughs> wow, this guy just pulled an OG response. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, there's also this... Uh, which NBA fans are the most stressed watching their team? There's a research. Me. Recently, yeah. Well, they apparently did not take you uh-huh. into account, but they but they did take 70. They analyzed, this company analyzed 75,000 tweets. That's not enough. Um, that's that's for, one day on Raptors Twitter. For negative sentiment. And um, I don't even know if they put the Raptors in this because I'm surprised. They're not even in the top 10. Yeah, hit me. Who's, who's on the Miami top of the list? Miami is number one. Okay. I'm not really familiar with uh, Miami Hitter Twitter's game. game. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, the Knicks are next. That makes sense. The Warriors. So they must have yeah. they must have had Andy Lou on there for oh, sure. Man. Yeah, for sure. 76ers make sense to me. Yep. And yep. then the rest, I don't know. Like, how many w- Wizards are next? Like, Bro, how who, many, who is that stress on the Wizards, man? How many like, Wizards you know your fans team is are mid. How could you be stressed when you know your team is mid? Yo, they literally have the mid three, man. <laughs> they, have, <laughs> they have the best mid three in the league. Uh, I mean, look, listen, they're better than the Raptors in the standings right now, but damn, that team is mid, and you knew it. Ah, oh, that's tough. Yeah, um, you got the Bulls, Hawks, Nets, Nuggets, Timberwolves. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. When I think of sad like or stressed fan bases, I, I do think the Raptors really do stand out to me, though. I, I think um, a couple things with the Raptors thing. I, I think, number one, um, because of their success, not just with the championship, but even the 10 years before this, like this whole 10-year stretch, this mm-hmm. I took over, we're just used to winning all the time. We're used right. to not just winning, but like good vibes. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're, we're very rarely do we see the Raptors, you know, at the focal point of all the trade rumors. And we don't really think about, oh, this guy dislikes this guy, this guy, whatever, right? Like we don't have to w- question all that. We had yep. a really sheltered existence. Mm-hmm. And now it's like this season hits. And I think it, it's a really jarring feeling for a lot of people. Yeah, at least when it happened in Tampa, though, it was like whatever, right? They're not even here. We could just ignore it, okay? They're playing Aaron Baines at three at some points. We can ignore it, okay? Um, oh man! But like, you know, when you when you have that sort of like experience recently, and then you hit adversity, it's tough. Like, if you're a rich person and you and you, and you like actually have to like, you know, ha- have some austerity in your life, like that's gonna feel a lot harder than when you you know came to this country with nothing and then have some austerity. It'd be like, all right, that's just life, you know. But you move through though. it, yeah. Yeah. That's the difference between you and me. Banter pod tomorrow. Oh, I yeah. can't wait. Tomorrow the now. only positive Raptors content will be coming out tomorrow. Yeah, he will be delivered. Yeah, what do you want Derek to talk about the studio for tomorrow for us? Please, we're telling you live on air. Book it for like five hours. All right. Uh, yeah, he's literally getting to work right now. But yeah, we will have that banter pod for I, I you. I don't because... even know what you want to talk about. You seem really excited. No, there's it. just been a lot going on in our lives, man. You really? There's been nothing going on. No, I can't lives. wait. I'm looking at the topics. I can't wait, man. Shout out to the X, man. You'll, yeah. you'll know soon. Shouts to the X. 
Um, I don't think, I don't know if we, yeah, we didn't touch on this on Monday. So Kawhi did mention there was a reporting over the weekend that Kawhi Leonard has made it clear Mm. to the Clippers front office that he would welcome a point guard addition. Yeah. And um, two former Raptors. uh, Oh, Jeremy Lin. Kyle Lowry. And and, uh, Fred Van Fleet are on his short list of of Uh, targets. Yeah. Yeah. so the, this guy really just wanted to keep playing for the Raptors, but in Los Angeles. No, he literally wanted Masai to move Toronto to LA. Like I'm a little surprised they didn't want to they didn't want to poach Masai or Bobby or Nick or any of those guys. Yeah, you think they tried? Alex McKechnie. This is the other thing. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna have Grange on again next week. Um, in, in fact, well, possi- I've, I've already committed to that. Yeah. Possibly every day. Yeah. Um, but I really want to know, and I don't know if he knows this, and maybe we can ask Bobby. You know, mm. if when he comes on the show, like. How does the dynamic work with Bobby and Masai when it comes to, like, trades and stuff? You know what I mean? Like, is Bobby running point on these things and then filtering things through to Masai? Are they taking, like, you know, their own responsibilities, talking to different teams? Mm. I'm really curious because, like, seems like Bobby's been way more hands-on the last couple of years. I mean, that makes sense. That makes right? sense. But but now you Bobby see, obviously, obviously... works for Masai. Yeah, but now you see, obviously, Masai yeah. having these conversations. Yeah, of course. and we saw over the summer too, yeah. Masai and uh, listen. They're they're Sean both Marks. very actively involved. Clearly, they worked really well as as, mm-hmm. as a partnership. But it's kind of like you and me, you know, like you have these plans for the show, and you're like, hey, let's talk to this guy, this guy, this guy. Here's my plan. Yeah. And if I say yeah. I don't want to talk to them, we're not going to talk to them. It's like that. <laughs> no. Have you not. rejected guests before? Yeah. Ah, uh, anyways, yeah, Ventropod. Um, but no, I mean seriously though, I, I think um, look, they're, they're I, that's the thing too. I, I trust them to make the right decision. You know, what I mean, yes. like they've shown us over the past. Literally, uh, yes. like, 10 years now that they're to be trusted in this sort of process. That's not to say they're hit on everything. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it wasn't like they've had a lot of home runs recently. Mm-hmm. Although they did draft a rookie of the year, which definitely helps. But um, And even the Precious for Kyle Lowry thing looks pretty damn good. I'm really excited about Precious. Yeah, and they got that young out of it, too. Like, it's a little bonus. That one is like a, that's, that's like a C. That's a C. I see that as an extension of the Kawhi trade almost. No, but like that's a, a little, but that's a little throw first. in coupon at the end. You yeah, know? Here, like, here's Malachi uh, Branham. <laughs> Um, you know, here's another Malachi for you. But uh, no, seriously, though, I, I think uh, mm. you trust them to make the right decision here. And listen, if they got to make the hard decision, yeah, I think they're also the kind of people that can sell it as well. No, they can. And I think the other thing, um, Raptors saying someone got a brace for too, they're also happy just walking away if they're not happy with what's on the table, right? That's kind of what they showed with the Kyle Lowry thing. Because mm-hmm. I think people try to like lowball them. Like they're mm-hmm. always like, you know, can I give you George Hill yeah. and uh, Matisse Thibel? And Masai was like, can you just not? How about how about this? How about you don't get Kyle Lowry, and how about you watch mm. Ben Simmons run point guard for you in Game Seven of the Conference Finals? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or no, not a Conference Finals. Sorry, semifinals because yeah, the, the Sixers haven't made the Conference Finals no. since AI was hot. The Kings have made it before them. But. Damn. Anyway, is that true? That is true. Yeah. Damn. Shows mm. to the beam, and now it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Michael Grange at his hotel, and the Raptors are going to be heading into Utah mm. tonight. Uh, the Jazz are minus three favorites. A reminder, the game is on Sportsnet and on Fan 590, and you can hear Will Lou on oh, the Jack Pod yeah, all right. afterwards. Yeah. The Jazz are 17-9 and nine at home this season. They've won five of their last seven. Fred has scored 30-plus points in two of his last three meetings against Utah. Some mm. might remember his empty arena masterpiece last season. Some uh, might remember. Some might not because I, I believe... <laughs> Uh, not to take anything away from that performance, which was really good. Mm-hmm. He played like a perfect third quarter. Yeah. But it was like Elijah Hughes was like the main opponent. And like Rudy That's right. Gay, the, the Jazz did not bring. Eric Pascal. Yeah, the Jazz did not bring their their squad. 
um, to no. the empty arena. Um, Raptors are two and five without OG in the lineup this season. Mm. They're shooting an NBA worst thirty one point three percent from three on the road mm. since November twelfth. The Jazz are minus three tonight. Will, who do you like? Um, Utah is just a hard place for the the Raptors to play. It's also a really hard one to predict because obviously in recent years the the, the Jazz have been pretty consistent with the core of like Rudy Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell. Mm. And some like you know essentially wings around them who can shoot some threes and and, uh, and that was very difficult for the Raptors to guard. But we've seen the Raptors go into Utah and come up with some results. One of my favorite games from that uh, championship defense season was right before uh, uh, the, the final game, hit, right yeah. where it was like um, Serge had like a double, like a big double double against them. The Raptors won, you know, down the stretch there. OG mm-hmm. fought. Uh, <laughs> Rudy Gobert for some reason, yeah. and then we were all concerned because those Rudy was patient zero basically right. in North America. So, and then you flew back when bowling with Norm, I believe. Yeah, and then it was a concern there, but mm-hmm. whatever. Everything's ultimately no. That fine, was a great but, win. That was a great um, win. Yeah, it's it's hard to predict because we haven't really seen the Raptors play this edition of the Jazz. I mean, I remember you know when I was on the Amalfi Coast, I was watching mm-hmm. Raptors Jazz, but that was preseason. Right. And, they, and they actually played each other quite even. So, I mean, this is a hard one to predict. I think, generally speaking, the Raptors have just not been good on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Utah is playing better. And they, even though that their team has been dramatically reshaped, that uh, they've still been quite strong. So, I expect a close game. But I ultimately do think that uh, Utah will pull it out in the end. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Raptors. I just think okay. they're just going to alternate wins and losses. I wouldn't mind. I mean, like, this, you know, trip. this would be a... I don't know if they were they're going to save themselves or anything like that, but no, I think that ship. Like, what what are they going to do these next three games to really change anything? I think at this point, the front office is just having the conversations. There's, and, yeah, you know, like what what's really going to. Anyways, the can Raptors, we can we get by the way can we yes producers done. Dave Leader I know I, there's no way you're watching this right now. Yeah, Shouts to the leader. Shouts to the leader. Um, can can you make sure we have an ISO cam on Masai <laughs> for when he walks off into the tunnel with Danny Ainge? Yeah, 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 or or just uh, when he's looking real miserable in the stands. Oh, you know what? Actually, the <laughs> reaction the most, shots are really good. That was the most yeah, no, flattering keep, look. Listen, I don't ever. even want to see a replay of the Raptors in the plays that they make. I just want to see Masai and Bobby on a like a maybe like a box and one. You know, one of those little things on the side, oh, a simulcast. Man. Yeah. So that was between the lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Happy Hump Day, everybody. There we go. All right. Well, um, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. By the way, we're charting a lot right now. I mean, we always chart a lot, but we're definitely charting a lot. What does it mean to a lot. chart a lot? Uh, like, we're just charting high? No, nah, we're, I mean, we're always the number one basketball podcast. Well, what's Canada, charting a lot? Yeah. No, it's just us talking about trades every single day. People are really tuning in oh, for okay. it. So. Cool. Anyway, continue to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Michael Grange for hopping on the program. Producer and co-host Alex Wong, appreciate you. Shouts to uh, the Rizzler, our board producer, Derek Brandale, <laughs> and Danielle Gauthier for helping us with the YouTube stream, and we will talk to you tomorrow.